think about how God pursued us when we weren't choosing Him. He pursued us when we weren't choosing Him. As you sing this, I want you to really make it personal. It's not about uh, God's endless love and reckless love chasing this church or this community or the neighborhood that we're trying to reach. He chased us. He chased me. He chased you. He chased you. He chased us. And the love of God is here. And as we sing this again, I want you to make this declaration personal. real quick so our youth started meeting um, the location email us and we'll get you the location but any students grade 6 through 12 every Wednesday at uh, 7 o'clock 7 to 8.30 so um, details will be on social media also Blanket the City note on your calendar we're partnering up with Legacy Church on January 27th um, we're taking donations of any uh, blankets, coats uh, toiletries, anything like that we're going to take them out to the city we start at 6th Street, and then we go all the way up to the Salvation Army, um, and we pass out blankets, we pass out coats, um, we get a chance to meet a whole, whole lot of cool people that are in need um, right now, so uh, please help with that. There's a basket in the back, so feel free to bring any, um, you know, jackets, coats, blankets like that, and uh, we'll be able to deliver those as well, and if you want to join us, feel free, it'd be awesome if you can join us in helping with that as well. Um, the other thing is men, we're having a men's brenner, so join us um, at 6.30 on the 21st in IHOP South Park Meadows, so we'll just get together, hang out, um, kind of talk about life and everything in between. Food bank, 
Um, every Saturday, 9 o'clock, if you know anybody who's in need, we have a food pantry. Also, um, we're in need of volunteers, so if you want to come by at 9 o'clock, 8.30 would be awesome if you want to volunteer. It's a cool thing to just be able to um, pass out food and kind of hang out and talk to people that are in need as well. It's kind of a cool experience as well. And then also, last thing, we'll be, we have uh, offering buckets in the back if you all want to give and donate. Um, it's a tax-deductible donation helping us kind of do what we're doing here, and you can also give online at 2020church.com forward slash give, all right? So, who was up till midnight on New Year's? Was anyone not up at midnight? Y'all crashed out? What time did you go to sleep, Spirit? Uh, 9.30. 9.30? Anyone earlier than 9.30, or do we have a winner? All right, 9.30, you're the winner, Spirit. Great job. How many of you are glad the year is over, though? Like, raise your hand if you're really just glad 2018 is over, it's a new year, it's a fresh start, like, we can kick 2018 away, and we can start fresh 2019. Anyone? Yeah. See, there's something magical about midnight. There's something magical about that time when the clock strikes midnight. It's like, we all have this hope for something better, right? We have this, this something inside of us that just gets this, this motivation to like start something new or to change something that you've been trying to change, to shape something you've been trying to shape, to, to, to get a fresh start. Like something about that time when it comes, it gives us that motivation to be better, to do better, to love better, to do something different. It gives us the opportunity to also kick the last year goodbye. You know, we, we have this, Memory of 2018, and we can just kick it goodbye and not ever look back. Is anyone with me? To not ever look back to 2018. Um, see, there's something about when the clock strikes midnight, there's an, an internal reset. There's an internal reset that goes on inside of our lives and inside of our hearts that we just automatically get that fresh start. Nothing is really magical about midnight, but for some reason we wait, the anticipation grows, some of us fall asleep at 9.30, but the next day, that internal motivation starts on January 1st, and see, I want to talk to the person here that couldn't wait for 2018 to end. I want to talk to somebody whose 2018 came with a little bit of pain, a little bit of frustration, a little bit of anger something like that. I want to talk to the person who's ready for 2019 to be a different year than 2018. Is anybody ready for 2019 to be different than 2018? Because as if you're sick of these New Year's phrases like, new you, new year, new you, right? You see that all over social media, but the reality is like we've been around long enough to know that it's just a saying, like by February, it, things are back to normal. Everyone that works out um, throughout the year, all the consistent people that go to the gym, they know, man, I'm going to lose my locker on January 1st. All my equipment, I have to stand in line for my equipment. You know, all the weights are going to be taken. We all know that. But then, by Valentine's Day, we get our stuff back, right? We get our locker back. The gym is back to normal. You can just go in and do your thing. You don't have to wait in line. You don't have to ask somebody for if they're done, you know? You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm here to tell you that you came to the right place, and I'm going to share with you three things that we're going to pull from one cool story uh, from the Bible, and I'm going to share with you three things that are going to help you 
move into this and change this next year. Because uh, I'm declaring that 2019 is going to be your best year yet. And I'm, I'm believing that for myself. I'm believing that for each and every one of you. We've been praying for that. I've been praying for that 2019 will be your best year yet. In all aspects of your life, with your family, financially, whatever it is, that 2019 is going to be your best year yet. And don't even get me started on 2020 because that's going to be an even better year. Um, so, you know, you want midnight to bring something new, right? You want midnight to bring something new. I want to ask you, think about where you were at midnight. When you think about it, think about this past midnight. Think about on New Year's Eve, where were you on that midnight? And I want to track a time in the life of a man who was doing the right thing. He was doing exactly what God called him to do. He was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. He was in the exact location that he was supposed to be, and he got thrown in prison. And that's where he spent his midnight, is in prison. And in Acts chapter 16, and the scripture is going to be up here, um, and in verse 16, it says, uh, Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up. Finally, Paul became so annoyed, has anyone ever been annoyed, that he turned around and he said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realized that the hope of making money was gone, they took Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept our practice. The crowds joined in the attack and Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. And I read this passage of scripture, and I wanted to, um, I think we can relate to that. Because just like Paul and Silas were stripped and they were beaten, sometimes coming out of a, a year, it feels like we just barely made it out of 2018. It feels like we're like, man, I've just been beaten up with all the circumstances that I face. I've been beaten up with all the things that I'm going through. And, and I just feel like, geez, I've barely made it to New Year's Eve. And I feel like I've just been beaten down. And we feel like that. And Paul and Silas were not only beaten, but they were thrown into prison. And the Bible says that they were peaceful men, but they were treated like by putting their feet in stocks, they were treated like some of the most dangerous criminals. But these guys were just little preachers that just, uh, he cast a spirit out of this woman who was uh, following him and annoying Paul. And he was where God told him to be. He was on a, on a journey that God directed, and they were still thrown in prison, doing what God told them to do. And so, is there anyone that's ever been mistreated this past year? Does anyone ever feel like they've been mistreated in 2018? Is there anyone that feels like they're stuck in a particular prison they can't get out of? See, we may not have our feet in stocks. We may not be shackled and in a prison cell, but maybe your thoughts have caused you to build a prison around your heart. 
Maybe you have thoughts that go on in your mind that you can't shake. And when midnight comes every night, you're tossing and turning because you can't get rid of those thoughts. Maybe your jail cell is the circumstances you faced in 2018. Maybe your jail cell is feeling like you're not good enough to be a mother or a wife. Maybe your jail cell is you're not good enough to be a father or a husband. Maybe your jail cell is depression, anxiety, anger, pride, insecurities. Only you know what your jail cell is. Only you know the jail cell you were locked up in at midnight. What we're going to do is we're going to discover about Paul and Silas is that the prison that they were in before midnight, they were in it after midnight. And how did they get there? How did midnight change the prison that they were in? Because they weren't locked in a prison cell after midnight. And there's a reason for it. And I want to encourage you that as going into 2019, you don't have to stay locked up anymore. You don't have to stay shackled anymore. You don't have to, you don't have to carry the baggage. You don't have to carry the stress of the circumstances that you deal with. You don't have to carry the weight of not having peace anymore. You don't have to have sleepless nights anymore. You don't have to toss and turn anymore. You don't have to deal with the thoughts that go through your mind that you can't get rid of anymore. Going into 2009, this can be different. It was different for Paul and Silas, and it can be different for you. The other side of your midnight can look different as well. You don't have to settle for the way things have always been. This is just the way my family is. My family's crazy. Nobody else understands it. It doesn't matter. You don't have to take that. I don't care if you've been like this for 10, 20, 30 years. I don't care if your family's been like this for 10, 20, 30 years. Midnight can change that. The first point that I want to make here is the presence of God does not equal the absence of trouble. The presence of God does not equal the absence of trouble. See, Paul and Silas are in prison. They were doing the right thing. I believe that God was with them. So many times we, have, we think when we look back on 2018 and we think of those hard times and we think, man, where was God? But the reality is, is that the trials that you face, the things that went on in your life is not a determining factor of God's absence in your life. The Bible is very clear that in, in John chapter 16, the Bible is very clear. Jesus says, I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. See, Jesus never promised that our life would be carefree. You can read the Bible from beginning to end. And he never promised that we won't face trials. Matter of fact, he promised we would. Actually, the Bible is quite the opposite. So many times we think, man, you know, if I just start following, so many times we make this New Year's resolution, if I just start following God, I'm going to start getting closer to God this, this year. But really what we mean in our hearts is like, I just want my life to be better. And sometimes following God actually can make your life worse in the sense that you still face those trials, and you think that God's supposed to remove them, but that's not the case. See, God has promised that no matter what, when we're facing those trials, when we're in those situations, he's going to be right there with us. And that's the cool thing about it. Jesus never said life would be easy. He does, problem, he does promise that he's going to walk through the fire with us. No matter what fire you're facing, Jesus is going to walk there with us if we allow him. He's a friend in time of trouble. He does promise that we can lean into him in those jail cells and he's going to give us comfort. Sometimes the biggest indicator that you're doing what you're supposed to do and that you're in the right place 
is the fact that you're facing those troubles, is the fact that you are facing that opposition. Sometimes that's the biggest indicator that you are doing what you're supposed to do, and you're where you're supposed to be, and you're following God's plan. Sometimes the biggest indicator of that is that you're facing trials. Because as we head into this year, we have to understand just because we face different trials, just because our kids don't respect us, just because our family treats us like crap, just because we fight with our spouses, just because we have these doubts about God, it doesn't mean His presence isn't there. In the very time, in the very moments that we doubt God the most, He's probably the closest to us. Because if we didn't have any doubt, we wouldn't need Him around. If we had everything all figured out, if we knew what we were supposed to believe, and we never doubted, and we never um, had a lack of faith, then we wouldn't need God. We would be God. And we, people might as well worship me then. But no, we all have doubts. We all have crazy families. We all fight with our spouses. We all fight with our kids. We all are a little crazy, right? Turn to someone next to you and say, you're crazy. <laughs> um, but the cool thing, no matter what we're facing, God's going to be with us. No matter what we're facing, he's going to be there. I won't say he's with me. All right, back to the scripture. In verse 25, about midnight, about what time? What time? Midnight. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, everyone say suddenly. suddenly. There, was a, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains, chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword, and he was about to kill himself, because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Everyone say, we're all here. So these two are in prison, and midnight hits, and something changed. What time was it? Midnight. Tell the person next to you, it was midnight. So it was midnight. It was dark, probably cold. Right? And they were in an un unfamiliar place, probably bloody, probably sore. Imagine trying to sleep after you've been beat up. They're, and they, what did they begin to do? They begin to pray and sing songs. See, praying and singing songs, they began praying and singing songs, and they weren't in church. They were praying and they weren't even in church. They were singing songs and they weren't even in church. They were in prison. How did they pray? It was probably dark. They didn't have no uh, monitor showing them the words to the songs or telling them, they didn't have a preacher telling them what they should do. Pray and sing songs because y'all are going to have an earthquake and be able to leave and run. But no. How did they do this? Because listen, what you fill your heart up during the day is what's going to come out automatically at night. What you fill your heart up when things are good, that's what's going to come out when things are falling apart. What you fill your heart up, that's what's going to come out when you play a game of Monopoly with your family. That's when what's in your heart comes out. That's when we find out who's really a Christian. Play a game of, Monop play a game of Monopoly with me, man. You want Anyway. Um, what you fill your heart with is what comes out when the pressure is on. And so it's called motor memory. Y'all know what motor memory is. It's when what, what motor memory is, is 
your brain remembers what to do when it has specific triggers. When it hits a specific trigger, it knows exactly what to do because you've done it. It's like second nature. You don't even have to think about it. Let me show you what I mean. Everyone stand up. This is what I mean. It's called motor memory. Everybody, okay?
You decide what you're going to know by heart. Are you thinking about when I told you, are you glad 2018 is over? Are you thinking about all the negative things that happened? Most of us did. Because that's what we knew by heart. When, I tri- when, when 2018 triggered your brain to remember what happened in this last year, it was all the negative things. You get to choose if you remember. I'm sure there's something positive that happened last year. You get to decide that. You get to choose that. See, our natural tendency is to remember all the negative things. I mean, golly, my kids remember the time that I got so mad and I smashed the chips and told everyone we weren't going to Colorado. They remember what I was wearing. My God, they remember what we were doing, where they were in the house. They remember what was on TV, what the weather was like, what exactly was going on. They can't remember when mom tells them to go up and pack a bag or mom tells them to do their chores. They don't remember that. Oh, but geez, dad got so mad he broke the chips. God, they remember that. Every single detail happened. And yeah, and, and dad, and he, they didn't want to, and we weren't going to go to Colorado. Because even Jackson, he was like, what, six years old. But he remembers that situation. You know, they remember. You decide what you're going to remember. You decide what moments you're going to remember. So you need to change what you remember about 2018. Because how you leave one year is how you're going to start another. And if you go into 2019 remembering all the negative about 2018, and that's what you're learning and that's what you're knowing by heart, you're going to be in the same place at the end of 2019. But you need to change what you remember. Because yes, you went through a tough time, but look, you made it out alive. We're all here, right? Maybe we're beaten. Maybe we have some bumps and bruises. Maybe we're a little sore. But geez, we're here. We're here. We made it. You might feel shackled, but you're here tonight. You might feel like you're in prison, but thank God you're alive. Amen? What you know by heart, you don't need to know by sight. There were no lyrics up here on the screen. You didn't need to see those lyrics because you knew them by heart. And what you know by heart, you don't have to see. When you know God's goodness by heart, when you know that God's with you by heart, when you know that God's with you even though your family's crazy, when you know that God's with you even though you are not perfect, when you know that by heart, it doesn't matter what what you see with your own eyes. It doesn't matter what the circumstances around you are. It doesn't matter how, how, how bad the circumstances are in front of you when you see with your own eyes because you know it by heart. You know God's goodness by heart. Paul didn't need to see the lyrics of the song that he was singing because he knew them by heart. You know, when I was probably maybe two or three, I might be exaggerating this story a little bit by my age, but, you know, my, uh, my, my, my parents thought I knew how to read when I was, like, really, really little because I had this book memorized. It was called Old Mother Hubbard. Went to her cupboard. I'm not, I'll spare you all the story, but... I had it memorized, and so I would flip through the page, and I just would say the words as if I was reading, and I couldn't even talk yet, barely, but I was just saying the words. Okay, that's a little dramatic. I was probably three. But uh, anyway, they, I'm so sorry. Uh, they thought that I could read, and then they found out, my grandparents found out that I was just, what they did was they turned the book upside down, and I just kept on going along and saying it's because I had it memorized. See, when you know your reasons to worship God by heart, you don't need to know them by sight. And the last story to have is, I remember last year, 
you know, last year was a pretty tough year when I think about it, but we, we spent a lot of time in Colorado because uh, we went to visit my wife's grandfather in the hospital in the last <clears throat> part of his life, and, and he had no idea where he was. He had no idea. He had dementia and, and didn't even hardly know where he was or who was around or who was going to come talk to him. And it was really tough to see this. And, and, and the week prior to that, uh, I went and seen, or a couple days before that, I went and seen my grandfather. And uh, he, same thing, he, was, he had dementia. And I walked in the room, and it was, it was a shock to me because I, he didn't know who I was. And it was like, you, you hear those, you see those videos, and you see those things on, on, online and everything. And when it happens to you, it's like, oh my gosh, like this is somebody who raised me, and he doesn't even remember who I am. And, and it was just crazy because I remember going home and just being so sad, like, these guys... These two men who have lived these awesome lives and did this a lot of awesome things, they didn't know who the people around them were, even their own children. But what I, what I found out was that a week before we were there, my grandfather went to visit my wife's grandfather, and they were sitting in the rehab center, and they were singing songs. They knew the lyrics of these songs. These men didn't know who their own children were, but they were singing songs together songs that they had played 40, 50 years ago and they remembered it because they knew it by heart. Because the music was so ingrained in them they couldn't remember who I was, they couldn't remember where they were, but they knew the songs that they were singing. They began to sing the songs that they knew by heart. They had such a love for music that they began to sing songs and they didn't have a lyric sheet because they knew it by heart. They didn't need to see anything. Why? It was in their heart. When you choose to remember where you've come from and all that God's brought you through, it doesn't matter what you see. Because you remember where God's brought you. You remember what you've come through. You remember where you've been. And the same is true if you remember all the negative stuff. See, if you choose and you know by heart all the negative things that happen, it's just going to be a habit. You won't ever need to see a negative thing happen because you'll already start complaining about it. Why? Because that's what you know by heart. That's where worry comes from. We've taught our minds to automatically fear the worst case scenario. Right? It's no wonder why you can't sleep. It's no wonder why you have anxiety, why you have panic attacks, because you know by heart all the negative things. It's because what you know by heart. See, but I believe each and every one of you are going to leave here with a new memory tonight. Because when you remember the goodness of God constantly, you'll always have a reason to worship. It doesn't matter if you're beaten and bloody and sitting in a jail cell at midnight. You'll have a reason to worship. You'll have a reason to pray. It doesn't matter if everything else around you is falling apart. You'll have a reason to worship. And you'll have a reason to pray. And that's what Paul and Silas did. When they sang, they prayed, they, the chains came loose and the prison doors flew open. And remember what Paul said. Don't harm yourself. We are all here. So obviously, check this out. This is so cool. He wasn't praying and singing as a means to escape. How many times do we pray or sing songs just as an escape plan out of our circumstances? But when I talk about praying and knowing how to worship by, by, by God, it can't be for the purpose of getting you out of the situation as much as it is for the purpose that God wants to fulfill in you. See, praying and worshiping is not about an escape plan for you. 
as much as it is a fulfilled plan for him. Paul knew his purpose, and he was going to bring the gospel to this area. He knew what he was doing. He knew why he was there. He was there to tell people about Jesus. That's what he was there for. So he's in this town, and he has this opportunity to make a run for it because the earthquake happened, but he stayed because he had a purpose. It wasn't just an escape plan. Everyone stand up. Easy, you can come on up. And that brings me to my next scripture. So Acts chapter 16, this is verse 29. It says, The jailer called the light, called for the lights, rushed in, and fell, trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sir, what must I do to be saved? So the jailer heard them singing and worshiping and saw that God answered them. They stayed. They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in this house. At the hour of the night, the jailer took them. This is important right here. He washed their wounds and immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, they sent their officers to the jailer, released these men, and they were able to go. See, the prison guard who was scared for his life is now asking about Jesus. He's asking these guys about Jesus, which was part of the plan that God had for Paul all along. But he took Paul and Silas into his home, and what did he do? He fed them. This is important. He fed them and he washed their wounds. And that brings me to my last point. God will use the very thing that was made to keep you locked up to provide you with the most growth and the most healing. The very thing that was supposed to keep you locked up, the very thing that's supposed to keep you shackled in that jail cell, the very thing that's supposed to keep you secure from running away and escaping those circumstances, the very thing that is meant to guard you is exactly what will provide you with your growth and healing. Tonight, you will leave with a perspective shift. Instead of thinking about how much money you don't have, how about you praise God that he's going to show himself to you as a provider? Instead of thinking about the diagnosis and said, praise God that he's going to show himself as the healer. Nothing is wasted in the kingdom of God. And that includes the pain. That includes the pain that we take from one year to the next, from one day to the next, from one week to the next. The pain that we go through, the circumstances that we face will not be wasted. See, I've seen God use a bad diagnosis that my wife received about a year ago. He used it to grow my faith and to bring healing to her body. See, if you're going through it, God's going to use it. Everyone say, if I'm going through it, if I'm going through it, that didn't convince me. Everyone say, if I'm going through it, God is going to use it. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord God, and we thank you so much for the circumstances that we're living in. God, I thank you for my life. I thank you for the life of everyone here. Lord God, I thank you that you will take the circumstances that we face. You'll take the things that we go through, Lord God, and you will use it to grow us, you'll use it to feed us, you'll use it to heal us. You're in the business of cleaning up messes. You're in the business of using uh, unfortunate circumstances. You're in the business 
of being born in a dirty barn and creating something beautiful. And we thank you for that. God, we thank you for everyone here. God, I thank you for a perspective shift. God, I thank you that we're going to change the things that we know by heart. We're going to change the things that we remember. When we're looking back on the last year, when we're looking back on yesterday, God, we're going to remember, we're going to choose to remember your goodness. We're going to choose to remember the good things. And I'm going to play another song. And I want you to really, again, I want you to make this declaration. As the lyrics come on here, I want you to believe that for yourself because we did see God move. You can think back to a time where you saw God move in your life. Think back to a time when you saw God do something. And remember that no matter what, he's going to do it again. <laughs> 